Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello, hello. Welcome to this Thursday edition of the Inner Life. First day of fall, first day of autumn. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and as we begin the hour here, I'm going to give you a list of a number of different things. I want you to try and figure out what all of these different things have in common. Are you ready? All right. What do these have in common? Faith-filled young people, healthcare workers, religious sisters and consecrated women, the elderly, small businesses, the death penalty, a Christian response to bioethical challenges, and families. Any idea of the connection between all of these things? Want to hear them one more time? I'll go through them quickly. Faith-filled young people, health care workers, religious sisters and consecrated women, the elderly, small businesses, the death penalty, a Christian response to bioethical challenges, and families. If, if you don't know what those all share in common, these are all the prayer intentions that the Pope, uh, Pope Francis, he's asked the faithful all around to pray for this year. Each month it has a different prayer intention. There's even an apostolate that's dedicated to encouraging Catholics and Christians around the world to pray together for these different intentions. It's called the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network. And you can find these intentions at their website. There's a U.S. version of it. It's called popesprayerusa.net. You can also, just if you do a Google search on Pope Francis intentions, prayer intentions for the year 2022. You'll see all of them uh, listed. You can find them on the website for the U.S. bishops, usccb.org. Now, the intention that the Holy Father has asked us to pray for this month during September is for the abolition of the death penalty. And the full intention states, we pray that the death penalty, which attacks the dignity of the human person, may be legally abolished in every country. So that's the intention, but here in the U.S., we still have people on death row. There are still criminals that are facing execution. So I think it's very natural for it to raise the question of why. Why does the Church, why does the Pope ask for our prayers for the end of the death penalty? And it's, it's good for us to look at this, but to look at anything that ends life unnaturally. The Catholic Church teaches that all life has dignity. The Catechism of the Catholic Church states that, quote, human life must be respected and protected absolutely. So today we're going to take this hour of the inner life and look at what the Church teaches about the death penalty and 
at the same time, about the protection of all human life. And I'm very glad to welcome back to the program today as our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer. Father Matthew is a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph. He is the provincial superior and the shrine director for the Oblates of St. Joseph, based out of Santa Cruz, California. Father Matthew, welcome back to The Inner Life. It feels like a long time since I've spoken with you, so glad to have you back here today. Uh, thanks so much, Josh. Josh. It, do, it does feel like a long time, but I'm, I'm delighted to be with you today. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a big topic here that we're talking about, um, the death penalty. And there's obviously a lot that we could unpack here during this hour. But maybe before we get into the death penalty specifically, let's start off with just how we understand the social teaching of the church at large. And where where's the best place to start with this, I guess? You know, my thought is, when I go to social teaching, I go back to where Jesus, he teaches the greatest and then the second greatest commandments. You know, if I love my neighbor, my fellow human, and I want the best for them, just the same way I want the best for myself— that seems a pretty natural starting point, but is there maybe a different way that we should approach understanding Catholic social teaching? I like to start right at the very beginning at Genesis. You know, I like to start at the creation of man and woman, which is so clear in in the book of Genesis and in our whole our whole tradition that that we are we are made in the image and likeness of God, that we have qualities as creatures that that no other creature has we have intellect we have will we have the capacity to be in a relationship with god that that other creatures don't have and that kind of forms the foundation of of understanding how are we going to live together as human beings and how are we going to relate with each other now i I think it's important josh to note you don't have to have a religious perspective to realize that treating other people uh, with dignity is important, right? I mean, philosophy, a good philosophical, uh, philosophical frameworks will will show us very clearly that the human person is deserving of dignity. But as Christians, we see that dignity as also rooted in in our our likeness to God. That we have we have a, a similarity or or a reflection, maybe I should say, of God's greatness of His very very self. And that forms the foundation of how we should treat other people as well. You know, as you're saying that, there, it, it's very common to hear different groups that want to try and make the case that when you kill an animal, it's the same as killing a human. Um, and that's not to say that we should be needlessly killing animals. Of course not. You know, but maybe can you give us a little more insight into? what we mean when we're created in the image and likeness of God? Why Why does the Catholic Church teach that a human life really is different from the life of your pet dog or your pet cat? As, as much as you might love them or, you know, any other animal, any other living thing, Where what, what does it mean for us to have that uh, God image kind of dignity? Uh, well, fundamentally, it, it goes back not to what we can do, not to any specific capabilities that we have, but to being itself. Uh, that is to say that the way we are created uh, is is different from the way that others, the other creatures have been created. And I think this is very important to, to realize, Josh, that when we as Catholics talk about 
the difference between humans and animals, we're not only talking about function. So we're not just saying, well, humans are able to start fires and humans are able to speak in, you know, intelligently to each other. Humans are able to reason uh, at a higher level than other animals. Uh, these are true for the most part. Not all humans maybe have these capacities, uh, but it's true that functionally we, we have skills that the other creatures don't have, but that doesn't define our greatness or our, our similarity to God. Um, Rather, it's it's the our very being itself that we are created by God to be in relationship with Him, and this is this is revealed in in Scripture, of course, but also can be can be discerned or or intimated from from philosophy itself too. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a very important point to make, Josh. <laughs> what separates us from from other creatures? Well, throughout our Christian tradition, we have talked about a hierarchy of being, uh, which is to say that not all creatures, not all things that exist have the same uh, level of dignity or the same, if I can use it for lack of a better word, value, right, Uh, in comparison to others. That is to say, a rock uh, does not have the same value as an insect, and an insect doesn't have the same value as a primate and a primate doesn't have the same value quote unquote as a a human being Uh, and it's not because of function it's because of how god created the universe yeah well and and i think you know just practically speaking um most people it, it would bother them to have to you know outside of maybe like farm life, um, you know, where that is part of maybe your natural um, rhythm for the year. But if you're living in the city, you probably don't have any qualms about killing ants that are getting into your kitchen, or if there's that spider that is up on the wall, and it's in your your living room, or especially maybe your bedroom just before you're going to go to bed, um, you might squash that spider. Now, if you had a horse that for whatever reason got into your bedroom, you probably wouldn't want to kill the horse. You know, you wouldn't take the same approach to the horse that you would to the spider or the ant. And so there really is kind of that ranking, that categorization that we do. I think that when we come back to even human life, though, we, you know, if if we talk about what the catechism says, defending and protecting human life, I think... We can make those same sort of categories for ourselves, though. You know, even historically, we've kind of done that. You know, if there was a a boat out on the ocean and it starts to sink, or if there's a fire or, you know, whatever it might be, save the women and children first. You know, that's that's been kind of this phrase that we've had. Or during wartime, there's a different attitude toward civilians than there is towards active soldiers, those who are in the military. You know, the the civilians should be protected in a different manner than the opposing military force. But then I think we can make these categories for people in general. And if somebody is young, we want them to be able to live. They have their life ahead of them. You know, we might kind of put them in this category where, Maybe their survival is more important, but if somebody is in their late 80s or into their 90s, then, well, yeah, we want them to live. We don't want them to die, but we also recognize they've lived a nice long life. There's not necessarily the same attitude that we might have for a child of six or seven years old. 
And I'm not saying that one life is more important than the other. I, I just think it's more that we find it easier to accept and be at peace with someone who dies in their 90s as opposed to a child that dies young, you know, maybe from a terminal disease or in some sort of accident. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense. I mean, this is part of the, the challenge of, that we have as human beings of living in a fallen world where, where life does not always proceed in, in the way that God intended. Um, at least uh, originally, or or would desire that it would it would go. You know, we 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 do experience illness, and life is ended abruptly, and it's it's very sad. And we do just in human situations find ourselves having to having to consider: well, is this life worth more than the other life? Is the unborn child's life worth less than the mother's life, who who might be at risk of some health issue in her pregnancy? These are all issues that come up in our conversations uh, as human beings uh, and in society. I think it is important to realize that we we use that as a as a pragmatic approach to solving thorny moral issues, but that doesn't change the fact that every human being has this infinite value before God because of because of how we are created in His image and likeness. Uh, talking with Father Matthew Spencer today here on the Inner Life, and specifically talking about the prayer intention that the Holy Father Pope Francis has asked us to pray for this month, and that is for the abolition of the death penalty. And if you just joined us, the full intention that Pope Francis has asked all the faithful to pray for this month, it says, we pray that the death penalty, which attacks the dignity of the human person, may be legally abolished in every country. And so starting off our conversation here, just uh, understanding why each person has dignity, why there is that call for all of us to respect and protect all human life. And also want to open up the phones for your calls. How have you prayed for those maybe in prison, those who are facing the death penalty, or maybe you have a question about the church's teaching on the death penalty, or or just the respect for human life in general? You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Matthew Spencer. Our phone number here is 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. So, Father you know, the the categories that I was talking about there, um, how, we, how we look at these in different situations, I think that kind of helps feed this way we might naturally feel about other circumstances when it comes to protecting life. And so, of course, when it comes to looking at the death penalty, there's that aspect of innocence versus guilt. And you mentioned abortion, you know, that is the life of the unborn baby more important than the life of the mother. But then there's also that question of innocence. You know, the baby hasn't done anything to deserve or to warrant death. But then when somebody does something horrible, if there is that criminal, that person who takes the life of another human, it's so much easier to have an attitude of, well, they killed somebody, so they deserve the same. So we're really talking about you know, we're getting into a question of of justice for the crime that's committed. But then there's also, uh, and we have to, I think, be careful, we can fall into this possible desire for revenge. 
Where do you think we should start in trying to understand the teaching of the Church when it comes to the death penalty, when it comes to justice, when it comes to that question of revenge, vengeance? Um, I mean, obviously, (laughs) we can get into it. It's going to be part of the conversation, mercy. But maybe before we get to mercy, understanding justice first might be a good place to begin. Sure. Well, I, I think to understand the, the history of, of the death penalty in our Catholic moral teaching, uh, we have to look at the whole history of, of mankind. We have to look at the whole history of God's revelation to us. For example, before the, the, the new covenant, before Jesus came, uh, then uh, we read in the Old Testament, you know, uh, justice as an eye for an eye and a, a, a tooth for a tooth, right? We 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 look at we look at justice in a way that is uh, that maybe preserves some sense of of w- without having vengeance and extreme retribution. We look and say, well, there needs to be justice somehow. So how can we do that? And and that's where we have to start. I think is looking at the the history of mankind. But with Jesus comes this this new approach to justice. Uh, which is not not to say that justice is dismissed or replaced by mercy, but rather that that justice uh, should be done in a way that's consistent with the whole of of human beings and the whole of society. So, for example, uh, the early church fathers would talk about uh, the death penalty, capital punishment, as permissible by the state. You know, Saint Augustine would talk about uh, this, even though God forbids the direct killing of human beings. He would say, when it comes to the preservation of order in society, when it comes to protecting others from from a a dangerous person that might inflict even greater damage, the state has under its authority given by God the possibility of of inflicting capital punishment on on somebody. Uh, And then down through the ages, we've seen uh, expositions of this, right? We've seen various reflections from theologians and from Popes and from moralists, we've seen people grappling with well, what are the what are the the uh, the characteristics that can be used in determining whether the the whether capital punishment can be applied, and what are the situations in which it might be licit and which it might not be. Um, but then you look, Josh, just in our lifetimes, you know, in the in the in this last fifty years, we've seen this real trend. Uh, I'd say especially beginning with John Paul II, although it wasn't he wasn't the first one, but especially beginning with John Paul II, his language in the first versions of the Catechism was really was really strongly uh, pushing not 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 uh, disallowing capital punishment, but saying it should be very rare and maybe even non-existent in our times. And then Benedict XVI also called for the abolition of the death penalty. Uh, and Pope Francis has been very, very vocal in in his opposition to it. I think in 2015 he gave uh, some remarks, basically saying that it should be inadmissible. In uh, 2018, he he then changed the Catechism of the Catholic Church to say that the death penalty is inadmissible. And then in 2020, in his uh, encyclical Fratelli uh, right. Tutti, he, he also um, reaffirmed that. So Pope Francis has been trying to lead the church to a, to a place where we see that capital punishment uh, has, has many dangers to it. And I think it's not dismissing the history of the Catholic Church, but it also recognizes the changes that have happened in society 
uh, in which we use to to exact justice and also to be merciful. Well, and, and you know, I, I remember when this portion of the catechism was revised to what you're talking about, that Pope Francis had changed there, there was this, wait, this is a teaching of the church, but I didn't think church teaching could change. And, you know, one of the things that's important, I think, to distinguish here is there's a difference between a teaching that's being changed, something, you know, reversed outright or or going in a completely new direction, rather than, as you're kind of explaining, a teaching that's being refined. And not only with the death penalty, there have been all kinds of different teachings, traditions that we've understood through the church that these different understandings of our faith have been refined again and again and again until we do come with some for, sort of, of formalized understanding that this now is the official teaching of the church. Um, that, that's kind of what I'm hearing. Am I, am I correct on this? There's a refinement rather than a change in teaching? Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a good way to put it. I think. I mean, we are we are wading into this very uh, difficult topic to discuss right. because when Pope Francis in 2018 formally changed the catechism, there were a there was a lot of surprise. There was some uproar because up until that point, it had largely been well. The teaching of the Church has remained the same. John Paul II isn't changing the 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 validity or the the permissibility, I might say, of capital pen- punishment. But he's basically saying, I don't think it. There are circumstances now in our times where it's applicable. Um, but um, Pope Francis is, uh, took it took it to another level, basically saying that no, it, now it's not. It's inadmissible is the, the exact word he used. And um, you know, there's a lot of there's been a lot of discussion in the in the years since about this. What does this mean? Uh, what is the the fallibility or infallibility of this statement? How do we interpret this in terms of a development uh, of our of our doctrine? What I would say is this, though, Josh. Um, uh, at the very least, it's a change in how we apply uh, our moral teaching. So, regardless of whether whether the there's been a development of doctrine here, what we say is that in its application, the the church is basically saying now. We, we cannot use the the death penalty in in society anymore and and I'm I'm I, I embrace that you know for me personally I it doesn't it doesn't undermine the the thousands of years of history we've had what it does is it says that we have seen in our lifetimes the problems with the death penalty we have DNA evidence now that has exonerated people who have been killed by the death penalty we we know that that uh, innocent people have been put to death and, and possibly still are being put to death. We, we know all of the problems that are associated with it. And, and I, I think our, our very own Patrick Madrid kind of said it best last year, at least that's when I first heard it, was his change of heart when it came to, to now desiring an abolition of the death penalty uh, came about because of mercy. You know, we, Whether we've done a crime or not, we want mercy. Right. Um, and we don't want to be, we don't want uh, even just punishment to be inflicted upon us. And can we treat others with that same mercy that we would desire for ourselves? And I think that's ultimately uh, what Pope Francis is encouraging us to do. 
Again, talking with Father Matthew Spencer here today on The Inner Life as we're discussing the death penalty, the Church teaching on that, and the better that we understand that, how we can have a very comprehensive understanding of being a pro-life person, a pro-life community, people who support life uh, in all of its stages. And going back to that word that Father Matthew just used there, mercy, you know, we all are desiring of and we all need God's mercy. And being able to then receive that mercy from God, can we extend it to others, even if it doesn't seem like they deserve it? How have you prayed for those in prison, those facing the death penalty? Maybe you have a question about the church's teaching on the death penalty and respect for human life in general. You're welcome to call in. Our phone number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is at relevantradio.com. More to come in just a moment. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today, we'd like to thank Norbert, who's listening in Wisconsin, for donating his Jeep. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles by visiting relevantradio.com slash car today. and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today talking with Father Matthew Spencer, a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph, Provincial Superior and Shrine Director for the Oblates of St. Joseph in Santa Cruz, California, talking about the death penalty. In this month of September, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, has asked all of the faithful to pray for the abolition of the death penalty. And if you joined us late, I'll read again that full intention, that prayer intention that the Pope has given to us. He says, we pray that the death penalty, which attacks the dignity of the human person, may be legally abolished in every country. And uh, spent the first part of the hour here really diving into what we mean as far as uh, human life, how it is created in the image, the likeness of God, how each one of us has God-given dignity, and also what the church teaches about the death penalty, and we're going to get into more of this, and how we understand this in our own lives personally. Uh, Again, want to open up the phones for your call, 888-914-9149 is our phone number here. Maybe you have a question about the church's teaching on the death penalty, or you've been able to pray for those who are in prison, those who have committed crimes, um, and you've been able to really see God's mercy in your own life by praying and being merciful to those who uh, have have done some really, really horrible things. And we'd love to hear your story. 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, I want to go to the phones in just a moment here, but one thing that comes to mind is with somebody who really does, you know, you, you mentioned the death penalty. There's all kinds of problems with it where there might be somebody who hasn't committed a crime and they're wrongly accused, wrongly convicted, and then they're executed when there was nothing, there, there was no true guilt there. But there are plenty of people who are on death row that really have done horrible things. You know, they've committed the crimes that they've been accused and convicted of. And going back to that idea of our God-given dignity, being created in the likeness, the image of God, if God is love, and we have that criminal, that someone who takes the life of another person, which is really the opposite of love in a very 
final way, does that individual who's committed the crime, the murder, do they ever run the risk of forfeiting their dignity by acting in such a manner, just opposing the very essence, the being of who God is? No, sin sin does not take away our intrinsic dignity and value before God. And I think it's a very good thing to consider because when we sin, we feel we feel bad, at least if our conscience is formed well, we feel bad about it. We might feel guilty, we might feel ashamed, you know, we feel have the, all of these feelings going through us that make us feel as if we haven't um, lived up to the call God has given to us. And, and that might be true, or that is true, right? When we sin, we, we fall short of, of doing what God desires of, of us. But that doesn't change our, our intrinsic dignity before the Lord. And so even somebody who's committed the most heinous crime and actions uh, still retains this this amazing uh, reflection of God's very self. Now, their sin distorts that reflection. Their actions have affected how clearly that can shine through, but their intrinsic worth has not changed. And I think that's one of the reasons why our church challenges us to to work on rehabilitating people or giving people time for conversion. You know, as as I think we're all aware, Josh, it's very expensive to have people on death row. I right. mean, it's it's very costly to the state, to the taxpayers, to to um, to keep people there. And that's one of the the uh, oftentimes one of the points brought up in discussions about the death penalty as well. We shouldn't we shouldn't have to spend this kind of money here. But what the church challenges us on and says, well, how much is conversion worth, right? And how much is a, a human soul worth? And are we willing to to um, use the resources necessary and allow God to be the ultimate arbitrator, uh, arbiter of, of this person's life and, and justice done for this person? So their dignity does not change, and, and we were called to, to respect that. Yeah. Uh, Father, let's go to the phones. Again, the phone number here, 888-914-9149, if you'd like to join the program. Bonnie is listening in St. Louis, Missouri. Bonnie, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, one of the things I think that we that gets lost here is the true teaching of the church as far as how it what it says about the death penalty, and the church is not against the death penalty. It, and then I have my catechism here right in front of me, but it says that we're society is responsible to keep the common for the common good to keep these people from harming anyone else again. And if that's not possible by keeping them in prison, then then it is okay. But it says this is a very rare and not pra- and practically non-existent. And I have a problem with the Pope asking us to pray for things. Well, wait a second here, Bonnie, because you you raise a really good point. Um, and it's something that Father Matthew made a, a, kind of a brief reference to here, but Father, I, maybe you can talk a little bit more about this, because I looked up exactly what Bonnie is talking about. I read the exact line that she has, and she probably has the same situation I have. I had to go online to look at the updated version of the Catechism. My physical copy, the book that I own of the Catechism, 
is before the updated language of that paragraph that she's talking about in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Yeah, it's it's true, Bonnie. So you're you're reading from from the Catechism, uh, which is the same copy most of us have here. But uh, the point that Josh is is making and that that I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago is that Pope Francis has changed that language that you just quoted. Uh, he has, in fact, changed the the language of the Catechism. Uh, he did that in 2018, so that now the language reads that the death penalty is inadmissible, which is a word that has has uh, created a lot of conversation in our time. Well, what does that what does that mean? Uh, the and the 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 paragraph that can be updated. We could read it for you here, uh, Bonnie. It, 2267 in the updated paragraph of Pope Francis says, recourse to the death penalty on the part of legitimate authority following a fair trial was long considered an appropriate response to the gravity of certain crimes and an acceptable, albeit extreme, means of safeguarding the common good. Today, however, there is an increasing awareness that the dignity of the person is not lost even after the commission of very serious crimes. In addition, a new understanding has emerged of the significance of penal sanctions imposed by the state. Lastly, more effective systems of detention have been developed, which ensure the due protection of citizens, but at the same time do not definitively deprive the guilty of the possibility of redemption. Consequently, and I'm still quoting the the catechism as as, uh, updated by Pope Francis here, Consequently, the church teaches in the light of the gospel that the death penalty is inadmissible because it is an attack on the inviolability and dignity of the person, and she works with determination for its abolition worldwide. So yeah, Bonnie, it's, it's an important clarification there. It is. You know, I think one of the, probably the line that stands out to me the most, and is really crucial in understanding the why you know, why the Catholic Church is calling for the end of the death penalty, why Pope Francis has asked all of the faithful to pray for that this month. It's the line there that says, um, you know, the the more effective systems of detention have been developed, which ensure the due protection of citizens, but at the same time, and this is it, they do not definitively deprive the guilty of the possibility of redemption. And you know, I, I think for anybody who has left the church and come back to the church, or maybe was walking a life where they realized later on they were in a state of sin and they needed that salvation that's offered so freely by God, if you've received that redemption, you realize the journey is different for each person. And when I come to a point of recognizing and understanding that I am in need of of the saving love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, it's going to be different for each person. It's going to, you know, be, it might be when somebody is 75, 80, 85, 90 years old. For other people, it might be, you know, that they grow up in a Catholic family and they know it from a very early age. But the fact that we don't deprive even the guilty, even somebody who definitely is guilty of the possibility of redemption, I think that that's the line that sticks out to me, Father. Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, Josh, I think if we step back, I think the, the challenge for, for all of us in, in accepting this, this um, update from Pope Francis has been really that it, it kind of affects our whole approach to 
or not our whole approach, but it affects the understanding that we have of the social order, right? I mean, capital punishment was traditionally used as a form of justice, as you pointed out. If somebody kills another person, then this this murderer now will be put to death. And then uh, also was considered some sort of retribution to, to the person, some punishment for what they had done, not just justice. Um, over time, it was understood to be a, a safeguard to protect society. So in order to safeguard the common good, as, as the catechism points out, um, the death penalty or capital punishment was permitted. And so now we look and we say, well, we have the means to, to incarcerate people, to keep people uh, safe, uh, and to not allow people to reoffend, and um, that's preferable to taking their life. How do you think we? How do you? How do you think we practically reconcile that desire for justice or or vengeance? I mean, it could be. You know, I mean, we're emotional beings, and mm. you know, I, I think right now in our society we see all of these shootings that happen every year. You know, there's always another shooting that's being talked about in the news and there's if that shooter is is captured alive then there can be a regular attitude in our society of wanting that person to answer for their crimes and i think the first time i remember thinking something along those lines um and i think father matthew you and i are about the same age it was seeing the oklahoma city bombing committed by timothy mcveigh and that was just, I, I was, uh, I would have been in my junior year of high school and saw all of those images, 168 people killed, 19 of them were children in a daycare center right there in that Alfred, uh, Alfred P. Murrah building, almost 700 more injured. That's a hard one for me emotionally, and even more so now as a father, thinking about if I was that parent taking my child and I put them in this daycare center, and this this person who has some beef with the government at large randomly targets this building I'm in or my child is in. That's a hard one for me to wrap my mind around. I, I would imagine it would have been the exact same thing for so many millions of people looking at the Nazis, you know, the Nuremberg trials, thing, things like this, you know, uh, that that attitude of... Yeah, they should answer for their crimes. Yeah, they they really, from a justice standpoint, do deserve the death penalty. How do we how do we look at something like that, where there's that deep call for justice in our our, our inner being, but then not allow that to win out, and still have an attitude of love and mercy? Uh, this is the the challenging invitation that we have as Christians. You know that um, I mean when the the adulterous woman was brought before Jesus and everybody around was ready to inflict capital punishment upon her to say this woman uh, not only was caught in the very act of adultery, but also the appropriate crime is that she be put to death according to our law. And Jesus, Jesus's response is not to, not to negate the law and not to, not to basically uh, just contradict what these people said. But of course we know he uh, writes in the sand something mysterious and then he he stands up and he or i looks up and he says uh, let the first one without sin cast the first stone and and they all walk away and it's not that the woman maybe by the law didn't deserve 
death, but rather that Jesus is calling us to something even higher, something even more difficult to live. And this is, you know, Josh, every time I see people who who have been the victims of terrible crimes, uh, or maybe their loved ones have been the victims of terrible crimes, their loved ones are murdered uh, senselessly, and, and these individuals find the grace to forgive, find the grace to want uh, mercy for the perpetrator of, of these crimes. It speaks so loudly. I mean, it speaks volumes about you know, our, who we are as human beings and, and our desire for, for healing and yeah. reconciliation. And so I think that thirst for justice is also a gift from God. But what we are called to is something even more, right, is to mercy as well and to being uh, and, and to, to allowing God to be the judge in, in those situations uh, that we can. Right. Um, well, and, you know, I remember reading, I don't, I don't know where I read this, but basically justice is needed for mercy because yeah. if, if we aren't guilty, if we haven't been condemned, there's no need of mercy. So we have to have justice that condemns us, that says you have not lived according to the right way. And that's mm-hmm. where we're able to receive the mercy. Um, yeah. yeah. Fa- Father Matthew Spencer, our spiritual director. Father, need to take one more short time out. But again, want to throw out the phone number 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. More of your phone calls and more with Father Matthew Spencer coming up next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive hundreds of your phone calls every day, all thanks to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line. Our sponsor offers flexible life insurance and annuities. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester today, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, talking with Father Matthew Spencer, a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph, a regular voice here on Relevant Radio, today talking about the death penalty. And that's because Pope Francis, our Holy Father, has asked for all of the faithful to pray this month of September for the abolition of the death penalty. And I've shared it a couple times, but I'll read it again. The full intention, the prayer intention that uh, the Holy Father states is... We pray that the death penalty, which attacks the dignity of the human person, may be legally abolished in every country. And uh, it's been a fascinating conversation here today, and I think really enlightening. If you joined us here just recently, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to the entire hour, as Father Matthew has given a lot of insight into uh, just the underpinnings of Catholic social teaching, understanding why we look at every human life, that it has uh, dignity, that it should be defended, respected, and also what the Catholic Church teaches in regards to the death penalty. Um, also taking your phone calls here at 888-914-9149, Father Gavin is calling in from Sunnyvale, California. Gavin, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thank you very much. Hi, Josh, and hi, Father Matthew. Um, first, hi, yeah. thanks for this episode. I I think it's wonderful. Uh, Father Matthew, I'm not too far from you. And in fact, my oldest son, Liam, just started college his first year at UC Santa Cruz. So maybe you can say a prayer for him that he remains. Yeah, he's been very proud of him and love a prayer from you to uh, make sure that he remains uh, close to the Catholic faith. Um, But the reason I was calling is I 
I agree with everything you said, and I love hearing it. And I, I love to, you know, this is a conversation I've had with a lot of other Catholics, many of which are pretty firm in uh, their belief in the death penalty. And my experience is, I think, a little bit unique because I spent 20 years as a federal prosecutor. And I worked in uh, very, very high-profile narcotics cases, organized crime cases, uh, and worked on a lot of cases that were potentially death penalty eligible. Uh, And I was always against the death penalty. And not only for the reasons that you said, which I think are the more important reasons, but also because I can tell you that although our system of justice is probably the best and most reliable in the world, and I'd say that after working with law enforcement authorities in many, many countries around the world, uh, nonetheless, it's not perfect. And I know that from the inside, and I know that from a position of I was, I was a prosecutor who prayed every time I had a trial. Before the trial, I would pray that if the defendant were innocent, that he would be acquitted, that I would lose the trial. I never mm-hmm. wanted to be responsible for putting a guilty, an innocent person in jail. Mm-hmm. But facts are very, very difficult things to get perfect every time. And the mere fact that every now and then, and you know, the vast majority of people on death row without question are guilty, but there are people that are innocent. And I don't think any society wants to be responsible for taking the life of an innocent person. I don't think we want to be responsible for taking the life of anybody. But um, certainly for those that, that have um, maybe a little bit too much faith in the perfection of our system, I'd just like to call out that from the inside, I can tell you it is not perfect. Yeah, thank you for that perspective, you know. And um, one, one of the, Gavin, one of the important points that Pope Francis would make going all the way back to 2015 about this is that we have to think not only about the societies in which we live. As you point out, we have, a, we have thanks be to God, a, a pretty good system of justice here in the U.S. Uh, it's not perfect, but, but I'd say it's, it ranks up there among, among the best in the world these days. Um, but not every country has that. And there are autocratic dictators. There are terrible despots around the world. And, and Pope Francis is pointing out that we have to think of other societies where the death penalty can be used arbitrarily to get rid of, of enemies of the state uh, in ways that are completely unjust. And so it is interesting to think like from our perspective, the, even with our imperfect system of justice, uh, you know, we can consider the, the, the merits and, and, and the disadvantages of the death penalty. But to also realize that the, church te- the church's teaching applies not only to our society and our context, but to the world at large. And there's, there's a very, very good reason why Pope Francis has grave concerns about the use of the death penalty uh, outside of maybe those, those countries with good systems of justice. So thank you, Gavin. God yeah, you. glad to have you on the program, Gavin. Uh, Father, before the break, you were talking about, um, you know, when we want that justice, and that's a good thing, but then being able to have that attitude of mercy, um, and when we see that really lived out, that becomes one of the most powerful witnesses for Christ, for the church. And uh, I don't know, do you remember, it was one of the most amazing stories I think I've ever seen of mercy, of forgiveness. And this was in 2006. There was an Amish school, small little Amish school, and this was in Pennsylvania. 
and there was this man, Charles Roberts. He went in, and I think there were 10 young girls that were in there, and he killed a number of them, then killed himself. And that same afternoon, following that shooting, one of the grandfathers of one of the girls who had been killed, he ended up speaking with somebody in the media and expressed forgiveness toward the killer. That same day, some of the Amish neighbors, they visited the Roberts family, this man who had killed all their children. They visited the family to comfort them in their sorrow, in their pain, their anguish. I'm sure they were just shaking their heads and so, you know, just distraught by seeing that they had this this man in their family that did such a horrible thing. And it really was one of the most merciful and Christian responses I can ever remember seeing to such a horrible, horrible event. Yeah, I do. I do remember that well, Josh. And and I agree. I mean, it was um, it was horrific, you know, the, the actions of Charles Roberts. Um, and on the other hand, the response of, of the Amish community was it was unreal. You know, I mean, it was uh, it, it just, I think, made everybody stop dead in their tracks and think, is this how I would respond yeah. to to such, uh, such, you know, terrible atrocities? You know, it's interesting to me, Josh, um, some people speak of the death penalty as a as a deterrent, maybe to to, um, to crimes, but that's not really true. There's a, a report I read evaluating, uh, like kind of a meta analysis of all the studies done on on the death penalty as as a deterrent. I think it was published in 2006. Um, and it basically just shows that it, it doesn't really change people's determination of whether they're going to commit crimes. So on the one hand, the punishment doesn't deter the crime, but mercy, I think, uh, does create a whole different approach. It doesn't necessarily make people act better, but it does work better towards reconciliation and healing, in my in my opinion. Mm. Uh, Father, we're down to just our last minute or two here, but let's talk about also... Um, you know, if we're praying as the Holy Father requests for the abolition of the death penalty, but that's not necessarily the case in all the states here in our country, what are some practical ways that we can help those who are in prison, those who are incarcerated? This is one of those corporal works of mercy, even just visiting those in prison. Yeah, it's true. And um, it's very difficult to to visit people in prison these days. You know, I, I started doing uh doing ministry to the incarcerated probably back in 2005 uh, on and off through these years have done it and it, it was even in 2005 it was much easier than it is now because now all of the background checks all of the restrictions inside of, of prisons and jails is, is very difficult but for those who are able it's it is a very beautiful ministry it is a very um, I mean, uh, it's a way to bring a ray of hope to people who, who otherwise don't have that and, and are surrounded by other negative influences inside of prison or inside of jail. So yeah, if, if you're able to do it, it's a beautiful ministry and certainly a work of mercy that Jesus um, proposes for us. Father Matthew Spencer, thank you so much for helping us navigate this difficult territory and uh, making it as clear as possible. Uh, before we do wrap up the hour here in our last 15 to 20 seconds, could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners. Heavenly Father, look upon all of our listeners with great mercy and love. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again, Father Matthew. A big thank you to Nick Sentevich, to Thomas Engesser, our producers here helping behind the scenes on the program. And I want to encourage you to join us here tomorrow. We're going to talk about what it means to really live a life of repentance, to turn away from the sins that we have committed in our lives, to turn back to God. It'll be a great conversation here on The Inner Life. Stay tuned. Mass starts right now.